Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to another Nerd Quarantine edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. Too hot to handle, too cold to hold, (laughs) Derek Diamond. Yes. So how has your week been? Well, I watched the Firefly Funhouse match from WrestleMania again. Yeah, that's so good. uh, The quote. Watched that uh, earlier today. But no, it's actually been a really busy week, and I'm sure we'll get into the roast you did last night but mm-hmm. i was actually still working during that whole thing because i had a cooking video that i had to finish editing cooking video the thing <laughs> so the so essentially like the i work for the blue wahoos and our owner uh quint studer owns several other companies in town and with me you know like baseball not happening right now i've been making videos for a lot of his other companies one of them is like a gourmet kitchen, hmm. and they started doing virtual cooking classes, which I've started filming. And it's it's a cool thing because it's something different, and it's something that I can get better at and yeah. kind of like expand my skills as a videographer. So the thing is, the one that I shot last week, they got a deal to air on local TV, and it had to be cut down to a certain time frame. So I had to cut three minutes off the video. Hmm which was so painstakingly hard. <laughs> I'm sure. That's and I, I, fun. I only, I got it down to 15 minutes, which from its normal like 18 or 19 was a miracle. But it was it, like doing them has actually been kind of fun. Like I said, it's something completely different than what I normally do. So just been doing a lot of video work and things like that. So. I've honestly been taking this time to decompress on the weekends and not really do much of anything. Yeah, I um, like you said earlier, I did the uh, the roast of the Rona last night. <clears throat> we did a live stream from the juke joint, and uh, there was only a few of us there, so we were observing all uh, social distancing measures, and <laughs> it was pretty fun. But I started feeling bad yesterday afternoon. And I was having like some really bad indigestion. So I even went to the store and got some Tums. So I was popping Tums all afternoon. As soon as we were done with the roast, I came home and I don't know if it was, it was a touch of food poisoning, but something triggered a migraine and I haven't had a migraine in almost 20 years. Like I used to get them a lot when I was a kid and I haven't had one in so long it put me down for the count, man. Dude, I was up all night last night, like, running fever. I was vomiting, like, every hour. I didn't go to work today. I was just like, uh, and luckily, I had already had a, um, a, a conference with my doctor because I was supposed to do my yearly checkup today. But we had to do, you know, just a, a wellness check over the phone. So I told him about my night, and he gave me some anti-nausea medication I've been taking all day. So... Uh, luckily i'm here for the show but i'm feeling okay now like my head's back to normal i actually at one point thought that like 
it felt like my brains were being sucked out of my eyeballs and I thought I was going to die. My immediate thought when you said that was, did you think in any possibility that you might have COVID? Oh, the whole time, (laughs) the whole time. And uh, my, my doctor was like, well, he said most a lot of he said a lot of people have been getting um, migraines because of stress lately. It's probably just that. He said try to you know try to lower your stress level. And um, he said if it happens again or if you think you know you start getting other symptoms, he's like just we'll we'll do a test in the parking lot for COVID. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully it was just a touch of food poisoning. Yeah, hopefully so. I mean, a lot of people are under stress right now. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that I work with, and the good thing is I know I talked a little bit about this off-air with you, but you know, with baseball possibly not even happening at all, and that was even acknowledged by like our senior leadership, is there is a chance that there will be no minor league baseball Yeah. Like at all. So, I mean, that makes you think, you know, if that doesn't happen, then... Are we all going to get laid off because yeah. we're just, you know, if we're not bringing in money, there's no point in paying people to not do anything. Well, it might be your catalyst but, to finally move. Well, the the thing is, is that we um, we got approved for a um, a loan that covers eight weeks of payroll. Oh, that's good. So I'm I'm safe for sure until early June. I think June 8th is the last, like whenever it expires. But I know we're looking at possibly doing like once all the bans are lifted, if we still can't play baseball, because I mean, it's with us being minor league, it's we're kind of at the mercy of major league. Yeah. So like if they don't want to send any players, we obviously can't play any games. So we're looking at possibly like having events at our stadium like movie nights and things like that. So that way we still essentially have a job. But Well, that's good. Hopefully. It, uh, it, it's. I, I, I don't know. I, just, I hope everything kind of goes back to normal soon if we can. Uh, I mean, I, I understand if we can't, but, man, people are going to be hurting <laughs> soon if, oh, yeah. if this doesn't clear up. Yeah, there, there will be some minor league teams that do not survive this yeah. whole pandemic. It's crazy. Which is unfortunate. I mean, a lot of small businesses, because minor league is essentially a small business because yeah. a lot of teams, the only way they make, the way they make their money is through like ticket sales, concessions and things like that. And that happens between April and August. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't do that, how do you make money? And then yeah. if you don't make money, you know, you're not. You're not going to be in business. Well, it's unfortunate. Like this is going to affect a lot of people permanently. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on to a little bit happier subjects and <laughs> take people's minds yeah. off of it for a little bit. Let's go into the news, shall we? Sure. From NintendoLife.com, Sega opened a reviving Sonic's 1993 arcade game. It needs your support. Uh, Back in 93, when arcade gaming still played a significant role within the video game industry, Sega AM3 released a title called Sega Sonic the Hedgehog. The platformer action game got compared to Marble Madness and was the first time players were introduced to Mighty Mighty the Armadillo and Ray the Flying Squirrel. Uh, It was also a Japanese exclusive, uh, but it could be found outside of Japan in limited supply. 
um, ports and releases were considered over the years, but none of them saw the light of day. Uh, that could change, though, according to Sega's Yosuke Okunari. During an interview early, earlier this year with Game Watch, he mentioned its possible return. Um, when we began work on Sega Ages for the Nintendo Switch, the amount of titles in development were limited, so we decided on a lineup that consisted of the first two entries in the Puyo, Puyo, Puyo and Sonic series. If this collection of Sega Ages titles is successful, then I'd say we'd really like to consider releasing more in those series. The arcade game, Sega Sonic the Hedgehog, that has never been ported before. So I guess it all depends on how well um, that... Uh, the Sega Ages is going to do in order to, for this to kind of see the light of day. I, I'll be honest, I didn't even know Sonic had a uh, an arcade game. The way I found out, believe it or not, was through the comic series. Because in the comics, Mighty the Armadillo lives on the same island as Knuckles, Angel Island. Mm -hmm. And then when um, Sonic and Mighty meet... There's interaction like they know each other, but just haven't seen each other in years. And yeah. then I think Ray was trapped in some type of like an alternate dimension. And he was released during that same arc. And it was there was like a little footnote that said, if you want to find out more about, you know, the three of their backstories as far as being together, check out the Sega Sonic the Hedgehog arcade game. They got a lot of but, pictures on here too, screenshots from it. And it does have a, a uh, like they said, it does have a Marble Madness look to it. I'd love to play it just for historical sake. You know, it's a Sonic game that I've never played. Yeah. I'd love to check it out. And it's got a cool, like, backstory to it as far as, like, never being ported. And then, like, the, the value for me as a kid, you know, like, what what is this game that the comic series is just kind of glossing over yeah. in a way? So I mean, it's a piece of Sonic lore that I, I'd love to... I'd love to get my hands on and oh, hopefully, absolutely. you know, Sega ages is successful enough to where this is, you know, released and sees the light of day. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's still a lot of old arcade games that need to have to be updated and ported to this day. Like, you know, think of things and I know it would be hard to do, but you look at like this, um, the aliens versus predator series for that was in the, uh, in the arcades, and I think they actually did a Super Nintendo version of it, but you're never going to be able to to find it because those licensing fees are probably ridiculous these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a long list of stuff that unfortunately probably won't see the light of day, but mm -hmm. one can hope. This is why we need an online museum. Exactly. <laughs> Our next story comes to us from nintendolife.com the voice actor of leon kennedy in resident evil 2 has passed away uh, the resident evil series has resurfaced in recent years with capcom remaking and re-releasing a number of classic entries there have even been rumors about more remakes in a completely new game in recent weeks with that in mind it's incredibly sad to hear paul hadded the voice of leon kennedy in resident evil 2 has passed away at the age of 56 the cause of death has not been revealed Invader Studios, an indie software house located in Italy, who had recently worked with, had it on a survival horror homage to Resident Evil, paid tribute to him via Twitter. Yeah. Uh, see, yeah. he may have best been known with the gaming community for playing one of the main characters of Resident Evil 2, but he also had an acting career in film and television and featured in cartoons like the original Adventures of Super Mario Brothers 3 series. Yeah, I mean, this is our second voice actor 
in the last week that's passed away. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's COVID related. I don't know. I mean, there's a good chance that it could be. He wasn't that old. I mean, yeah, only weird. 56. Um, I on the rampage said, um, going back to our last story, he said he didn't know much about Mighty and Ray. They are on Sonic Mania Plus. He only remembers that Chaotix game on 32X had different characters. Do you remember Chaotix? Mm-hmm. Mighty the Armadillo was in that game as well. Uh, so Chaotix okay. was like a in the comics that was like the Knuckles version of the Freedom Fighters. You had Mighty the Armadillo, you had Espio the Chameleon, Vector the Crocodile, and Charmy the Bee. And yeah. what's cool is those characters actually, well, Vector, Espio, and uh, Charmy did in um, Sonic Heroes. You could play as Team Chaotix, which was a cool little nod to that 32X game because it never really got like the mainstream press just because 32X was kind of a novelty thing that yeah. I don't think lasted very long. But yeah, Mighty was was in that game. And yeah, both Mighty and Ray were in uh, Sonic Mania as well. Uh, and on to our next story. This is about the uh, the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, which just came out. Didn't it just come out recently? I think so. Uh, this was on Destructoid.com. Uh, it says, finally, another way to play Bomberman 93. Um, it's hard to compete against the titans of the NES and SNES Classic Editions, the Sega Genesis Mini. Um, but the TurboGrafx-16 has a lot going for it for a very specific type of audience. Um, here's what you get with the TurboGrafx-16. The TurboGrafx-16 Mini, the one gamepad, one HDMI cable, and one micro USB cable. But it does not come with an AC adapter. Um, the common response to that is everyone has one, but when, you, when nearly every micro console lacks it, hooking up multiple units is annoying if you have to buy adapters for them. Um, let's see, actual unit houses a back cover which need to be removed to actually slot the HDMI cable and the micro USB power cable into it. Um, it's rather finicky, but you need to slot the USB mail in just right since there's a protective shell around it. Um, let's see, um, sadly the base package only supports one controller, you need to buy more as an add-on, eh. but uh, it says, let's see. It hosts six languages out of the box. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and the yeah. games that come with it. Uh, There's a combination of two collections, U.S. releases and Japanese for the PC Engine. Um, let's see. Some of them are like Air Zonk, Alien Crush, Blazing Lasers, Bomberman 93, of course, Bonk's Revenge, uh, Chu Man Fu. Uh, what were some of the other ones on here? Uh, R-Type, uh, Space Harrier, Splatterhouse. Those are the ones I would want to get it for because this was a really good console for shooters and it was the only console you could play Splatterhouse on. Um, then it's got a lot of uh, PC Engine stuff like Bomberman 94, Bomberman Panic Bomber, um, Ghouls and Ghosts, but it's actually called Daima Chimera. Daima Chimera, I think that's how you call it. Uh, Gradius mm -hmm. 2. Um, bunch of other different types of sh super darius which is another cool shooter uh, of course ease one and two it i mean i would love to get my hands on it we've talked about this before because if you're if you're a shooter fan then this is the mini console for you the bad thing is this thing's a hundred bucks and I, I don't just don't know if there's enough uh nostalgia for the turbo graphic 16 to plop down a hundred bucks for this thing 
that and to me there's no excuse to not have an ac adapter yeah exactly that's i'm sorry dumb. but like you the, the response of well everyone has one so what yeah <laughs> everything should come with a, its own power source yeah that's just a common sense thing but i i agree with you in the sense that i i think owning this thing would be kind of cool but a hundred bucks is a little steep yeah and not even the snes or the nes were that much well, it says I don't think the turbo graphics should yeah. be that much at all. Well, it says at the end of the article, is it worth it? It says grievances against the hardware packings aside, if you're a collector, it is absolutely worth adding to your collection in terms of UI aesthetics and functionality. It's one of the most fun micro consoles. Uh, it's lightning fast and not annoying to sift through in the digital realm. There's also a lot of potential for retro parties once the whole pandemic is over and the separate multi-tap accessory that allows for three to five players for specific games. Uh, if you want it, it's exclusive to Amazon and will run you $100. Oh, and it says it currently does not have a worldwide release date due to the pandemic. I thought it was it had a release date uh, in April this month, but I guess it must have gotten pushed back. Yeah, I think it's out in Japan. Yeah. Or it may have I come out. It was, was either March in like March in Japan. Yeah, it was either March or April. It was supposed to come out. Yeah, I do like this photo with all the mini consoles, like with it next to the PlayStation, the NES, SNES, yeah. and Sega. It does look nice. I mean, I would love to have it. I just don't. I don't want to plop down a hundred dollars yet for it. I'll wait. I'll yeah. wait till it drops down to about seventy bucks or catch it on a sale on Amazon sometime. Yeah, I think 70 is probably the most that I would pay. Yeah, 70, 75 it would, would have been a good price. I would have plopped down 75 easily, but 100 that's once you're getting into three digits, that's where you're like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Especially with what happened with the PlayStation. <laughs> that thing, oof. Yeah. Yeah. Our last story comes to us from 9to5toys.com. Nintendo Switch Lite is in stock and ready to ship at Best Buy for $300. We've been talking about this the last few weeks, about how popular the Switch has been. Like, you cannot find mm -hmm. it in any store, anywhere. But Best Buy can, currently has the Nintendo Switch Lite in stock and ready to ship at $199.99. While this is the MSRP for the Switch Lite, it's been nearly impossible to score Nintendo's portable gaming system nearly all year. Mm -hmm. And just for comparison's sake, you'd pay over 300 right now at third-party Amazon sellers. You'll get the ultra-portable ultra Switch Lite here, not the dockable Switch, so do keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. But if you're ready to take up gaming at home with Animal Crossing, new Super Mario games, and more, then you need to grab one before it goes out of stock again. Over 2,000 Best Buy customers have left a collective 4.8 out of 5-star rating for the Switch Lite. Yeah. I mean, this is what I've been telling people. If you're a very casual gamer mm -hmm. and you're getting this thing pretty much to get you through the pandemic, I think the Switch Lite is worth it. Yeah. Now, if you want it as more of a long-term thing, because I tell people, like, you can't, pro you can't project it on your TV because it doesn't have the docking station. Yeah. But to be honest, so I... You know, I play it more handheld than I do in the dock. Oh, I completely agree. I couldn't tell you the last time I actually played like the Switch on a TV. It was probably when I was playing Breath of the Wild on a regular yeah, basis. Same. I mean, honestly, it's nice to be able to dock it and play it on the TV. 
But honestly, if I, if all I could get was a Switch Lite, I would be perfectly happy with it. It's it's perfectly fine if all you can do is play it portable. I mean, the screen is nice. Uh, you know, the controls are are very comfortable. Uh, it takes a little getting used to holding it in your hands and playing it, but once you get used to it, it's fine. Yeah, I do like like you know not docking the switch but essentially like using the stand on the back and putting it on mm-hmm. my coffee table and then break out the pro controller yeah and just play it that way can but no still, normally i'll just have the joy cons attached to the side and can you still use a, a pro controller on a light i'm sure you can that's a very good question i don't know because there's a lot of games that i prefer to use the uh pro controller with especially something like breath of the wild yeah Things like when I'm nature. doing the like SNES, you know, online deal or whatever, I'll just use the Joy Cons on the side. But like yeah. with Zelda or you know, Smash, like Smash Brothers, I like using the Pro Controller. Yeah, exactly. But it's a fun console to have. Like I really enjoy having the Switch. And like I said, I don't usually play it on the TV. So if this is all you can get your hands on, you'll be perfectly happy with it. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Um, but what we're going to do tonight, um, let's, we're going to skip video game history because there's really not much to talk about this month. Um, but let's go ahead and give our Patreon shout outs. And, and speaking of the Patreon people, I hope you guys enjoyed the, uh, the extra episode we gave you guys last week. It will be available on the regular feed as of tomorrow. But uh, the Patreon people got to listen to it a week ahead of everybody because they paid for it. And let's shout those guys yes. out right now. So, like Jason said, we like to give a shout-out to our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We've got Armez J, Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, and Carlos Longoria. Thank you guys for keeping the lights on for us. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, you do get the extra episodes like they got uh, last time with the real Ghostbusters. Yes, that's all. If you want to do that, head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And tonight, we're not going to be doing a review, but let me play some transition music right here. So in honor of the uh, the Daily Diamond Show, Derek's been doing his top five lists for the last few weeks. We thought it would be fun to go back and, and do our top ten Video game soundtracks, which I thought was a great idea. And um, so how do we want to do this? We would want to start off at number 10 and then bounce back and forth to number one. And then we've got a bunch of people to read that responded on the Facebook page. Yeah, I mean, that's what we did for our quarantine list. Yeah. So if, if um, I mean, I can start if you want at 10 yeah. and then we can just alternate until we get to or number one, which I know you can see my list, so we're yeah. we're not gonna fight <laughs> like you thought we might. Uh. So, number ten spot was actually one of the tougher ones because it's that's always like the fringe, like what's gonna make your top ten, or if you're doing a top five, what yeah. would be five or six? Like five to me is always the tough one because then mm-hmm. you got to leave something out. But my number ten, this is one of multiple RPGs on my list and that is illusion of gaia from the super nintendo Mm -hmm. everything from and i don't have the person's name in front of me who did the score but everything from ominous you know almost eerie type of music when you're in temples to 
upbeat, jovial music when you're in a village to not like a rock song, but like really powerful orchestra sounds when you're in a dungeon. And that variety, I think, is really cool. And it, it, every piece of this soundtrack captures the area that it's presented. Uh-huh. So I, I really like Illusion of Gaia. I wish that the soundtrack was on Spotify because I would I actually have a retro gaming playlist that I'll listen to every now and then. And I would absolutely add several of these songs. On, but I need to play Illusion of Gaia. I know I do. I will one of these days. It's really good. <laughs> Uh, and starting out from my number 10, I know I don't play this game anymore, but I still have the soundtrack in my iTunes library. I bought the original uh, soundtrack for the vanilla version of World of Warcraft, and I know they still have great music coming out for each expansion, but I can still go back and listen to that original soundtrack any day of the week. That music is so good, and I used to have... The uh, thinker, I don't know if it's Tracy Bush or it was somebody else, or it might have been a collaboration of people that did the the soundtrack for World of Warcraft. But if you get a chance, listen to that. And um, it's so atmospheric and completely just kind of just the music of it just sucks you into it, just like a different world, you know. And um, I think they really hit it out of the park. And, And actually, I think a lot of the... You know, love for World of Warcraft, especially that the you know they came back with classic. I think music has a lot to do with um, you know nostalgia and how much uh, success things have. Like we've talked about it before about how Star Wars wouldn't have been as successful without the John Williams soundtrack. And I feel that way about video games too, because a lot of the stuff that we listen that we associate with video games is the music, especially. You know, early like NES stuff. Like you, you, everybody knows the the Super Mario theme. You know, everybody knows that stuff, and the Zelda theme. Like everybody knows that thing. And I think World of Warcraft like just knocked it out of the park with their, you know, their soundtrack for that for their game. Well, I'll use an analogy that I know was brought up when the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out because you remember how important the music was. Mm-hmm and especially that first movie where the soundtrack was almost like its own character. Mm -hmm. I feel like in a lot of these old video games, the music is almost like a character in the game because so many, so many moments that I have from thinking back of playing like Mario world and link to the past. And even near the N64 games, one of the first things I picture is the music. Yeah. And I, I think it's for that reason. But no, I, I agree 100% with everything that you said. But uh, my number nine is a game that I actually played through and beat this past weekend, and that is Super Mario World. Yes. Now, I, I will preface this by saying that I limited myself to one title per franchise, <laughs> but with which was hard to do. Yeah. Otherwise, like the, my top five would have been all Zeldas. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> Mario World... And a lot of the Mario music is fantastic throughout all the games, but when you think of Mario World, you think of that, they call it the athletic track that plays through most of the the worlds, like the really fast, upbeat one, but even like the slower, more mellow track that's in the caverns that you go to. Uh And I love the, um, the song for when you go into a castle or a fortress, how it has that at the very Uh beginning. And then it goes into almost like a, 
don't want to say a ballad, but it has this little like j- jaunty type of sound to it. And then you hear the dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun, like little powerful songs like that are, are so great. And I was I know I was texting you about how frustrating the special world was for me because <laughs> I built up my lives to where I had the max number. Yeah. And by the time I finally beat uh, the special zone, I was in like the low seventies of lives lost. Like it, that zone is hard. Like, yeah. It's, extremely like borderline frustratingly hard. It's been a lot while since I've been there. It, it's, it, it's a very harsh mistress. <laughs> I, I will say that. One of my but favorite there, pieces of a, music from super Mario ahead. world is the, uh, the water levels with the, the, the ragtime piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I could listen to that all day. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say about Mario World is that in the actually in the special zone, if you just leave Mario Idol on the world map, you'll hear a rendition of the classic Mario Brothers theme, mm-hmm. which is That's a nice so little awesome. Easter egg. But I, I love the Mario World soundtrack. Uh, coming in for number nine for me is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES. Um, I know a lot of people don't like that game. I think it gets a bad rap. I think it's a great game. It's also got great music. And even though it was published by Ultra, which was a uh, a subsidiary of Konami, so that they could get around the uh, the in- the Nintendo um, rules of be- only being able to to release three games a year, uh, Konami started Ultra, which was a subsidiary of theirs. And if you know anything about the Konami games, they always had the best music. Because the, the, the Konami games actually had a, a separate sound chip in the games themselves that worked with the NES so that they could get more sounds and more, more layers in their soundtrack. So that's why the, the, you know, the Konami games always had some of the best music. Um, actually, I've got quite a few Konami games on my list. But um, if you go back and just listen to the, the Ninja Turtle soundtrack, it is so good. I, I agree with that. I actually really like the soundtrack from that first game. We're going to keep with the Ninja Turtles theme for my number eight, and it is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 Turtles in Time. Mm-hmm. I loved this game yeah. growing up. Like the, I loved the arcade game when I would get a chance to play it in an actual arcade, but my go-to Turtles game was Turtles in Time for the Super Nintendo. It's a and great port about... for the Super Nintendo. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. port of that game. Yeah. No, it absolutely is. What I like about this soundtrack is there there are a lot of soundtracks that try to be like really like epic sounding and have that orchestra feel to it. Ninja Ninja Turtles 4 was not like that. Like it had a little bit of the like every song was just upbeat and almost had like a rock type of feel to it. And the soundtrack was a little different from the port than it was for the arcade version because I've gone back and listened to both. And the, the SNES port, there's a little bit of modification to it. But every song is just, like, it almost sucks you into the game because of how, like, fast-paced and you just feel like you have to constantly be on the move and fighting the Foot Clan and everything like that. But yeah. I, I love the Ninja Turtles 4 soundtrack. Uh, and coming in for number eight for me... It's kind of a cheat, but I don't think so. <laughs> uh, the Castlevania series on the, the Nintendo, Castlevania 1, 2, and 3, and, and beyond, like Castlevania 4 
for the Super Nintendo, uh, some of the Castlevania games, even beyond, like on the PlayStation and all that. But the original three Castlevania games on the NES, especially the first game. I mean, the second game's not that great. The music's still great. So, but that first game, man, that music is just, it's so pulse pound. Even though you're kind of slow and prodding in that game, I mean, it's not fast paced like Ninja Gaiden or anything like that, but there's just something about that soundtrack that's just like, it's ominous and it's pulse pounding and it's a, yet it's another Konami game that had great music for, for the game. And I think the music really made that game better than what it was. <laughs> and I know that's yeah. kind of controversial to say, but it's it's a mixture of everything, you know? It's like the game itself, the uh, you know the, the world that you're in, the, the music, it just it fits so perfectly. Yeah. I do want to shout out real quick Bill Lyons and Wade Vatican, who are watching on Facebook. Oh, cool. Thank you, guys. Uh, I am the Rampage. He also uh, he gave us his list on um, Facebook, and he said he tried to limit to one franchise. There's one that had to include two. That's okay. We'll get to that in a bit. Did you read Brandon Rutledge's list? No, I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I'm sure uh, it's going to be like five different uh, Final Fantasies on there. <laughs> he he touches on that, but we'll save that oh, for a boy. little bit later on in the show. <laughs> my number seven is Banjo-Kazooie, and I have professed my love for this game mm-hmm. so much. I call it one of the most perfect 3D platformer games ever made. And one of that reasons is because of the music. Mm-hmm. Everything from the very beginning when you have Banjo and Kazooie and a few other characters from the game playing musical instruments like banjo the bear is playing a banjo Hmm. kazooie the bird is playing like a flute type of or or like a horn it just sounds so like jovial and upbeat (laughs) yeah and the the music from all the worlds and the cool thing about it is the variety Mm -hmm. there's a level called mad monster mansion later on in the game and it has this very like ominous organ at the very beginning with the sound effects of wolves howling in the background and ghosts cackling and things like that. Just like that mix with the organ was just a, a fantastic balance. Hmm. And then you had levels like Click Clock Wood that was actually four levels in one because you would have to revisit this level throughout various seasons. And the music would change with that. Like with oh, the winter cool. version it would almost have like this little bit of a Christmas type of feel to it. <laughs> and then with um, Gobi's Valley, the desert world, you had this almost like a, an Egyptian score type of feel to it. So there, it's had such great variety. And I, I love the soundtrack. I might still have the CD for it <laughs> um, at my parents' house because I had the soundtracks for both Kazooie and Tui that were available as like a Nintendo Power subscription. I still need to get a copy of Banjo Kazooie. I've never played it, and uh, I want to. It, it's it's so freaking good. And they did so when Banjo Kazooie was announced as a character in Smash Brothers. They made Spiral Mountain the main hub world, uh, one of the stages, and they did remixes of like the Banjo Kazooie theme in a few of the worlds. And man, they they <laughs> knocked it out of the park with that. That's cool. The music for that game is excellent. Uh, and for my number seven, I, I cheated again by doing a series, the Uncharted series. Because, you know, the, and I, I say, you know, one through four, basically, I've played all those games. I just finished four 
not too long ago. And the music kind of stays the same, like based around the same themes, you know, every every game. <clears throat> so that's why I, you know, included it as a series because I could go back and listen to that music anytime. It's got, it's got such a like adventurous, like big orchestra sound to it. And it just kind of, I don't know. It makes you want to go like run through the jungle <laughs> and yeah. and like find lost cities and treasure. It just it, it and I, and you can listen to them like on like Spotify and stuff like all that kind of stuff. And they're so good. Even if you've never played the game, you would love the soundtrack. This is a series that's on my list that I need to play. Oh, you need to, especially. Do you have a PlayStation Four? Mm-hmm. You do, yeah. You need to get the. Uh, have you so you've never played any of the Uncharted games? I have not. Hmm. There, you need to get the collection. You can probably pick it up for about fifteen bucks at Walmart or something, or even like um, at uh, GameStop. It's it's worth it. Absolutely. Okay. My number six. This was tough because I like the soundtrack from both 1 and 2 a lot, but I went with the original, and that is Donkey Kong Country. Yes. Kind of like Banjo-Kazooie from the very beginning when you have Cranky Kong just standing on your screen, you know, with the old record player, and then Donkey Kong comes in with the boombox, and you just hear this, (laughs) like, almost like hip-hop type of song. It, It feels very 90s in a way, but man they knocked it out of the park with the soundtrack and the cool thing is there's a lot of variety from like the mine caverns to the jungle to the ruins every track i enjoy immensely on this game and Mm -hmm. and it's you almost get sucked into the music so much that you almost forget that you're playing a game yeah like that's how good this soundtrack is I'll agree with that. They knocked everything out of the park. That whole game out of the park. That game is so good and still looks great, sounds great. Like, I can't believe they got that out of the Super Nintendo. When I finish my playthrough of Link to the Past, my next one's going to be Donkey Kong Country. Oh, cool. Um, coming in at number six for me is one that Derek's already covered, the Super Mario World soundtrack. Uh, I love Super Mario Brothers 3. Everybody knows that 3 is my favorite game. But as far as the music goes, Super Mario World is the best game for uh, as far as the any of the games, I think. Like, Super Mario World has the best soundtrack of any Mario game. And I will fight to the death anybody that says different. <laughs> Another cool thing I'll throw in about Mario World is whenever you're riding Yoshi, the music changes a little bit, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And like I said, my favorite piece of music in the whole game is that your know, ragtime piano when you go to the the water levels and just I don't know it like that just hearing that brings me back to like just being a kid and playing that game for the first time. It's just so good. And it just Simpler fits times. the Mario world perfectly. Like I couldn't imagine any other music being in that game. Yeah. No, I you you hit the nail on the head. So for my number five, this was probably the toughest choice because Hmm. I've professed my love of the music from this series. It came really close between two and three, but I went with Sonic the Hedgehog 3 because 
I love the opening theme because it has a very epic feel to it. But every piece of music from like the start of Sonic 3 to the end is fantastic. Mm-hmm. From Angel Island Zone that has this almost like an adventurous feel to it. Then you've got Hydro City, which is one of my favorite Sonic tracks of all time. Um, then you've got, let's see, no Cas- Casino Night was Sonic 2, but there was a Casino World in Sonic 3 that had almost like a creepy carnival type of feel to it. Yeah. But the, the soundtrack, and it was rumored, and the, I want to say they said it wasn't true, but there was a rumor that at one point Michael Jackson worked on the soundtrack for this. Yeah, I, I was wondering if this was the one that he did that on. Yeah, yeah. supposedly it was it was Sonic 3. Hmm. But I, I'll, I'll praise the soundtrack for all the classic Sonic games until the day I die, but if I had to pick a favorite, it would be Sonic 3. But it, it's very close with Sonic 2. Yeah. But 3, to me, edges it out. Well, I was playing Sonic mind. 3 for a while there on the mini, and yeah, that music really is good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, number 5 for me, it's going to be Mega Man 2. Which I think uh, Mega Man 2 is probably NES perfection as far as just an action game. Everything in that game is perfect. The controls, uh, the, the just the music, the music fits everything perfectly. Um, I, I wish I could just listen to the soundtrack all day. Like I, that's what I would do is just listen to the soundtrack because that game. I have so much nostalgia for Mega Man 2, and it like just thinking about the music actually gives me goosebumps sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. because I love playing that game so much. And um, like I said, that game is absolute NES perfection. When you say, and you know, think of the first NES game that comes to your head, Mega Man 2 is usually on that list, one of the first games that pops in my head. And I love the music for that game. That game is perfect in every way. Yeah, the Mega Man theme is one of the most iconic from that era. Mm-hmm. My number four, I'm kind of cheating a bit on this one because it's a compilation of a lot of soundtracks. But it's Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and I say that because it essentially takes all the tracks from all the Smash Brothers games and puts them in one. But the team that created this soundtrack made some amazing orchestra renditions of classic Nintendo themes. Yeah, I want to say I sent this one to you some time ago, but they did a orchestral version of the Tetris theme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. Mm-hmm. It still gives me goosebumps listening to it. But just imagine hearing, like, the Hyrule theme with an orchestra, the Mario theme with an orchestra, Star Fox, Metroid, mm-hmm. all your classics that are in, like, remastered orchestra audio. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. The I've found YouTube playlists that have all the tracks that encompass. Like, this game has hundreds of audio files. I wonder why they've never made a, uh, put it on Spotify. I don't know. I wish they would, because there would be a lot of these that I would add to my, um, my running playlist. Yeah. Like, th- this soundtrack is absolutely incredible. Like, it's, to me... You could make the argument that it's the best collection of video game music ever put together. Wow. I mean, I imagine it's so. It's got all every character in there, and you get the pretty much the theme for every character. So, 
Well, that's what I'm saying is that it might be a little unfair to say that, but I, I don't, I don't disagree with it. Uh, coming in at number four for me as Final Fight for the Super Nintendo. Um, and you know, the, of course the, the arcade version as well, it was pretty much the same music. Um, I love the music for final fight. That was actually the, uh, the transition music before we went into this segment. Um, the cool thing about final fight is when I was a kid, I found out and uh, I think it was Nintendo power. There was, um, there's a secret that you can do where, um, I think it's easy to do now, but back then it wasn't available but there's a secret menu you can go to in the game at the the start there was like you had to like when final fight came on you like pressed select and then like another button or something and it took you to this menu where you could you know increase your lives to like nine lives put the difficulty up and down a little bit and then they had the soundtrack you could go through sound uh, the soundtrack track by track and listen to it and i would just do that all day just listening to the soundtrack of the game going through you know piece by piece and to this day i love the music for that game it's a cool little trivia fact yeah i like that so number three is halo 3 the halo soundtracks are all great but I was actually going back and listening to tracks from the three, you know, the three original games. Yeah. And and honestly, like, the only reason I would give three the nod is there are more tracks that I like. Yeah. But but that entire series, the composer did a fantastic job because every track fits the situation, and it feels epic from start to finish. Yeah. I'll and agree I, the with Halo that. theme is just it it gives me goosebumps <laughs> like I yeah. mentioned earlier. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Oh yeah. Like that opening theme is one of the best opening themes of all time for a video game. Oh yeah, still one of the best soundtracks ever. Like just the the Halo theme. Oh my god. We're we're coming up on that again in a minute too. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh coming up for number 3 for me is, is of course Ninja Gaiden. Um, I recently defeated that game after 30 years, and I know that soundtrack backwards and forwards, and I, it never gets old. I can listen to that. And the cool thing about that game is one of those games where every single level had its own theme. There was nothing ever, um, you know, they never reused tracks. I mean, they did for certain parts. But for the most part, every single level had its own theme. And that was the coolest thing back then because a lot of games would just play the same thing over and over again and you'd get sick of it. But Ninja Gaiden just had so many good tracks um, for that game. I could listen to it all day. Yeah. My number two is Secret of Mana for Super Nintendo. And... It was tough choosing like the RPG elements of my list, but I, I like Earthbound more as a game, but the music, hands down, goes to Secret of Mana. And I played through this game again recently. And like I mentioned with Illusion of Gaia, just the sheer variety of bright and upbeat songs when you visit a new village. There are two different versions of that. There's one for a village that's peaceful and everybody's all happy-go-lucky and everything and then there's one that almost has like a a a thread of dread 
to yeah. it where there's like you visit a village where you know like something's not quite right and it has yeah. one of the best boss themes of any rpg that i've ever played but again it has that epic orchestra type of feel to it now this this soundtrack is on Spotify. Oh, cool. I discovered that uh, while I was doing my playthrough on the Switch because there's a collection of mana that you can get that's separate from the SNES collection hmm. that has uh, Final Fantasy Adventures, which is actually the prequel to this game that I didn't know about. Then you have Secret of Mana and then Trials of Mana, which I haven't played yet, but I, I do want to at some point. Oh, that's cool. But man, this, this soundtrack is so freaking good. <laughs> So freaking good. Uh, Mixmaster and Axeblade07 have joined us in the chat room. What's up, fellas? Uh, let's see. Where are we? Number Welcome. two. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. My number two is, of course, Halo. Yeah, you knew I was going to throw that in there, too. But, dude, the Halo, any of the Halo soundtracks, but especially one, dude, that Truth and Reconciliation Suite is still one of the greatest pieces of music ever made for... Um, video games. That song is so good. That was one of the first songs I ever bought iTunes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've said this to you before off air, but you know, next year is the 20 year anniversary of Halo. So we've got to do some type of a Halo round table. Oh, yeah. Because I'm sure like, you know, you and Wally probably have your Halo stories. Oh yeah, <laughs> the uh, the land parties back in the day were epic. Yeah, yeah. If we do that, I might bring Robbie on because yeah. he and I like he was a couple of years younger than me, but he was at a lot of those land parties that that happened. You know, when I was like a junior or a sophomore in high school, and that was like the thing is that like on the last day of school and you wouldn't do anything, everybody would bring their Xbox. We would just play Halo all day. Oh yeah, it was nuts. And there there's been some. There's been some crazy stories that have happened due to Halo. <laughs> Dude, the but land I'm parties. I'm sure everybody has theirs. I miss land parties so so much, man. We'd go to each other's houses and bring our own TVs, our own Xboxes. There'd be four TVs and four Xboxes going at the same time. It was so cool. We'd be yelling at each other, you know, throwing chips, <laughs> cursing each other out. And you'd have those screen watchers. Yeah, screen da- you, damn you, dirty screen watchers. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. And uh, coming up for number one, I think we could both pretty much do it together. <laughs> yeah, so I almost put... Well, I mean, it wouldn't have been my number one, but as I said, I kept myself to one game per series. And I had to pick Link to the Past. Of course. As my number one. The thing about that game is that from the very beginning, that ominous track from when you first wake up in your Mm -hmm. bed and you walk out into a dark and stormy night in Hyrule just sets the tone for what is an unbelievable (laughs) gaming experience. Absolutely. And I have to throw this in there. I Honestly, my favorite track is probably the Dark World theme. Really? Like, it's my, I love the, the rendition of the Overworld theme from Hyrule. The boss theme is probably my second favorite. I feel like that's one of the most underrated tracks in yeah. all of Zelda history, but there's something about that from the Dark World oh, that just, yeah. like, uh, it just it, it gets me, like, it pulls me into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you're and right. And I love it. 
I, I love that too. Just that, like you, just you doing that, just like, just completely just put that whole thing in my head that dun, 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 it just, I don't know, man, <laughs> something about that just instantly takes me back to being a kid and playing this game. Like I heard that, you know, the, the Hyrule overworld song so many times and it never gets old ever. It just gets yeah. better every time you hear it. It's such an incredible soundtrack, and it it reminds me of it because I've been you know playing it again, yeah, uh, on Twitch. But man, that soundtrack is good. I, like a lot of the Zelda soundtracks are great. Believe it or not, if I didn't put Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time would not have been my choice. Really, it would have been Majora's Mask. Really, yeah. And the thing is, is like I would love to say, you know, uh, um, what's the new game? I just had a brain fart. Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. There's not a whole lot of music in it. There's really not. And I, I mentioned earlier that a lot of times soundtracks almost seem like their own character. Yeah. That's my biggest knock in Breath of the Wild is that there's no real... Outside of a few tracks that I think mm -hmm. are good, the overall soundtrack is kind of lacking. Like Whenever you're out exploring Hyrule, it's more like nature sounds in a way. Yeah. Uh, Darksage nine one one seven says, "Have an interesting gaming question for you guys. Hit us, hit us up with that, and we'll wait till he comes back okay. with that." But uh, but yeah, you're you're right. There was just that, that was the only thing I felt was missing in Breath of the Wild was a good soundtrack. It just it was always more kind of um, I don't know, like uh, just nature sounds and things like that. You know, like um, I don't know. It just it just felt empty without a soundtrack behind it. And the track they... that plays whenever you infiltrate Hyrule Castle, I love that one. That's my favorite track, probably from that whole game. Yeah. But um, but we're we're done with our list. Do you want to go ahead and move on to some of the lists that people threw at us on Facebook? Yeah, and uh, I think Axblade07 commented on Twitter. <clears throat> um, if you wanted to pull that up. Yeah, let me... Uh, did he do that on your page, or...? It was on the Nerd Cave Retro okay, one. Okay, here we go. Uh, oh, we got um, one from... Uh, uh, At Cultural Divide did one as well. Uh, yeah, Axblade yeah. did one. It was... Um, he says, not in any real order, but all in my top ten. Too hard to rank 1 and 10 on these. I have such fond memories the first time I heard them all. Uh, number 10, Banjo-Kazooie. Number 9, Symphony of the Night. I will agree with that. So good. Uh, 8, Lords of Thunder. 7, Killer Instinct Gold. 6, Ease Book 1 and 2. I'm sure he's going to be picking up the... Uh, the um, the What's it called? Turbo Graphics. <laughs> I'm losing my mind right now. <laughs> uh, number 5 is Act Razor 1. That is a good soundtrack. Four, Revenge of Shinobi. Three, Super Metroid. I can't believe I didn't put a Metroid on my list. <laughs> number two, Super Mario Sunshine. And number one, Zelda Ocarina of Time. That's a good list. That's a good, good list. solid list. Mm -hmm. um, and also, like I said, Cultural Divide uh, got with us as well. He said number 10 was Yoshi's Island. Um, I'm not too familiar with Yoshi's Island all that much. That's a good one, too. Uh, number nine. It has a little bit of a Mario World feel to it. Yeah, I always knew that, but I just, I don't know, it looked too cutesy for me, and I never played that game. 
I think you'd like it if you tried it. It's a, a unique Mario game, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Number nine, Hotline Miami 2. Number eight, Terraria. Number seven, Sonic 3. Six, Crypt of the Necrodancer. I've been interested in getting that game. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Uh, number Same. five, Metroid Prime. Four, The Last of Us. Three, Animal Crossing. Uh, two, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. And that, there's a different one for the list. Uh, no, and number one, Banjo-Kazooie. We didn't even talk about Wind Waker. Wind Waker's got a great soundtrack, too. Yeah, it does. You know, we haven't reviewed that game yet. No, we ha- I need to. I used to have it on uh, GameCube, but I sold it, and I've been wanting to get a new copy of it. I just haven't found one yet. They did a remastered version for the Wii U that was really good, but yeah. again, like that was a system that no one really had. <laughs> yeah. Of course. But that, that's yeah. it for uh, the Twitter people. So for Facebook, and again, thank you guys for uh, sending in your list. And like, I, I, think, I think I finally cracked the code on this whole interaction thing. Like, I, I've been going through a huge list phase. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this episode. But I think people love the interaction of the list and like hearing them read on the air. Let's see. Um, Robbie Rawls, I mentioned him earlier. The Halo soundtrack will always be my favorite. <laughs> Tough to argue that one. It's like all, like we said, all the soundtracks for those games are great. Uh, Victoria Watson says Halo Two is the best soundtrack hands down, but I also like Far Cry, Fable, and any Elder Scrolls stuff. The Skyrim soundtrack is really good. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Jacob Sasser, let's see. He names off Grand Theft Auto Vice City. NHL Hits, Ocarina of Time, Donkey Kong Country, and Halo 3. I mean, If you're a fan of 80s music, Vice City is right up your alley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I love the Vice City soundtrack. Um, Dark Sage actually came back with the question. I think it's an interesting question. Uh, he says, okay. I am interested in the game Ghost of, Tushi- of Tsushima that is coming out because the Mongolians are the main antagonist. However, the game is based on historical accuracy. I know from history the Mongols did unspeakable and horrific things to many civilizations they came into contact with, and I am worried that they will be made into cartoonish villains or dumbed down. My question is, how do you portray the Mongols in a game like this? What is going overboard and what is acceptable in today's society? Hmm. Well, I look at all the games that actually have Nazis in them as well, and they're not portrayed as as cartoonish. I mean, I think there's a way to do it. I mean, you're talking about a a society that was around, what, a thousand years ago? (laughs) I don't, you know, I think it's okay to pretty much portray them, and that is historically accurate, and I don't think you're really going to upset anybody by that. I mean, you're... It's something that happened a thousand years ago, and you're just playing a video game about it. It's not like you're playing. I mean, we're playing stuff about today's society with Grand Theft Auto, where you're you know throwing hookers out of a car. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's that's just that's my take on it. I think it's okay to portray them in a very realistic way. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with that. But no, that, that was a very good question. Yeah, it was. Let's see. Uh, Lucas Sasser, uh, he throws in Halo, Assassin's Creed, Yoshi's Island, Donkey Kong Country, and Jet Moto. Never played the Jet Moto games. I don't think I did either. 
Let's see. Uh, Tyler Watson, the fact checker to the fact checker yeah. of the Nerd Cave <laughs> Retro Show. In no particular order, Mega Man 2, Super Mario Brothers, Link to the Past, Mega Man X, Sonic 2, Donkey Kong Country, Castlevania, Earthbound, Super Mario World, and Ocarina of Time. Hmm. That's a solid list. I'm surprised he didn't throw in a Final Fantasy just to... <laughs> oh, well, we're getting to that. <laughs> so, Brandon oh, Rutledge, I'll try to restrict myself to just one Final Fantasy game. <laughs> Honorable mentions to any Final Fantasy game I left off oh, this Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> he knows my feelings too well. Uh, I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, number 10, Halo 2. 9, Mega Man X. 8, Super Mario Brothers 3. 7, Wild Arms 3. 6, Super Castlevania 4. 5, Legend of Dragoon. 4, Final Fantasy 10. Or is it 7? Uh, uh, 3, yeah. Street Fighter 2. <laughs> number 2, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. And number one is Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, is it Final Fantasy ten, seven, or twenty three? We will the the world may never know. Do you know about the sequel to Final Fantasy ten? Uh, what is it like? Fourteen, <laughs> thirteen. No, you'll you'll love this Final Fantasy ten two. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that you can't do that. Uh. I know. That's, you can't that was my thought. I'm like, that. wait a minute. You, the sequel is Final Fantasy Eleven, because ten is a sequel in itself to nine other games. I, just because of that, I will never play a Final Fantasy game, even though I've almost been talked into it a few times by some of our listeners. I'm not doing it just because ten two was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You should look it up when we're done. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Craig uh, weighs in. Yes, Jacob Craig. Number 10, Guitar Hero 3. 9, EA Sports UFC 3. 8, Fight Night Champions. 7, Star Wars Battlefront 2. 6, Grand Theft Auto 5. 5, Call of Duty Black Ops. 4, Kingdom Hearts. 3, Halo 3. 2, Super Mario Brothers. And number 1, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Surprised we haven't seen more Kingdom Hearts in this list. A yeah. A lot of people love that game. That's a game I need to review eventually. Yeah, me too. I need to go back and play it again. I haven't played it in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Longoria is our final list. There's so many to choose from. <laughs> I agree with that. His honorable mention is Earthworm Gem. Yeah. I almost threw that in like as number 10 just to be silly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number 10, Donkey Kong Country. 9, Rayman Legends. 8, The Sonic Series. 7, Super Mario Brothers: The Original. 6, Zelda Franchise. 5, Street Fighter Series. 4, Super Mario World. 3 is Halo. 2, Mega Man X. And number 1, the Double Dragon Series, but especially Neon. Yeah, Double Dragon does have good music. It's going all the way back to the Nintendo. Does it kick ass? Uh, an Axe Blade 07, I will not play Final Fantasy X2, which he weighed <laughs> in. <laughs> um, Mixmaster oh, said uh, his favorites include, he's, he's on the chat room right now, he says his favorites include Symphony of the Night, 
Blaster Master. Oh yeah, Blaster Master's got some good music too. I forgot about that. That that is one of the greatest hidden gems of the Nintendo is Blaster Master. And who says it best but Master Blaster runs Bar to Town. Of course he runs Bar to Town. Uh, and there is Ocarina of Time, Donkey Kong Country 2, Super Castlevania 4, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. That's a new one. Um, mm-hmm. He just said, sorry I don't have top 10, just threw in a few. That's fine. Yeah, just your yeah. favorite ones. But no, I will yeah. not play Final Fantasy X-2. That is the stupidest name I've ever heard for a video game. Oh, man. You know... I just had an idea. Hmm. In in conjunction with your roast that you did last night. <laughs> we do a roast of Final Fantasy. Yes. <laughs> I'm down for that. We'll lose I a lot of listeners, hilarious. though. <laughs> or we'd gain more just yeah, to maybe. hear our thoughts on it. I don't know. And then after that, we would lose them. Yeah. I've never played one, so I don't even know if I could roast them other than they have the worst naming or worst numbering system of any video game. And look, we can talk all day about the weirdness that is the Zelda timeline, but that is nothing compared to how awful the Final Fantasy naming convention is. Agreed. Hmm. That's uh, that's hilarious. But this was a fun episode. I enjoyed doing these lists. Yeah. So should I reveal what I'm going to review as my bad game next yes, week? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, so I made a deal because I am I am a team player mm-hmm. that I haven't reviewed too many bad games. It seems like Jason always gets the, the I always end the up with the bad games. So, How does that happen? <laughs> so I am throwing myself into the fire that is known as Superman 64 for the Nintendo 64. I have never played this game, and it's I am not so, looking forward to it. It is so bad. You're going to hate because, life while playing this game. Because I've watched video, and I've read reviews, and just from the video alone, I'm like, I already hate this. <laughs> Dax Blade says, oh my god, dumpster fire time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Mixmaster said, Double Dragon Neon was awesome. And uh, I Am The Rampage said, it is on PS3, or if you have PlayStation Now, you can stream it on PS4. Uh, no, I let my PS Now um, lapse last year. So thinking about maybe yeah. doing it, because I know there's a lot of good games on there right now for free. Um so I'm thinking about re-upping my subscription. It's not a bad idea. 45 bucks now. That's not bad. 45 for a year? It used to be like 60. No, it's not at all. Yeah, Superman 64 is, he said it best, it is a dumpster fire of a video game, and you're going to hate life while you're playing it. I remember back in the day getting actually paying hard-earned money for that game. And I played it for about three minutes and immediately took it back to the store. And I don't remember if they gave me a different game or not, because I don't know. It was at Toys R Us, because I used to live right around the corner from Toys R Us. Whew, that game's bad. I don't remember what happened after afterwards, if I had to keep it or if I, if I could turn it in. I just know that I did not have that game much longer after that. You, the game made you black out. It did. Like, I lost a good week of my life after that. 
Yeah, Mixmaster, he says he loves the N64, but he's never played Superman 64, and you are a very lucky man. Derek is about to jump into um, basically a, a dirty swimming pool that has never been cleaned in like 30 years. And then it's full of yeah. gasoline, and then it'll be on fire. And that that is Superman 64. I feel about as uncomfortable as this is the week leading up to when I got roasted on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> if you could, if they actually made a video game that like it, it was like the cartridge was actually made of human feces. It would be Superman sixty four. <laughs> well, I've already told you my short review of this already. Like not having played the game, and that is that this the cartridges should all be made out of toilet paper because there's nothing in it but shit yep exactly <laughs> it's so bad i can't wait till next week so yeah you guys will have that to to look forward to i'm throwing myself in the dirty swimming pool for the, <laughs> the greater good of the nerd cave retro show derek is officially going under the bus so is there anything <laughs> you want to uh, throw out there before we leave tonight yeah, I did actually want to throw out there's going to be a cool episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. We didn't even mention CyberCon. Oh, yeah, we did, I forgot about uh, that. Last week. Yeah, we did our uh, CyberCon panel about um, how COVID is going to affect the film industry, which I felt like was a great panel. Mm -hmm. you know, and I had a, a great time doing it. And I am going to release it as a future episode um, once I get the uh, video from CyberCon, which I saw that they've, I think they're cutting all the panels individually now. So maybe within the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to grab that and then yeah. post the audio. I but, tried, I tried my best to record it, but there was so much echo going on on my end. There was no way it would, it would be listenable. Yeah. I don't know what happened on my end to where I wasn't able to record it, but because even like, because I did a Google Hangout the other day and we had to do like three or four different troubleshoots before we figured out how Google Hangout would pick up my microphone. Yeah. It does that it to me really every weird. time. Every time I use a Google Hangout, it like doesn't recognize anything of my settings that I had them on before. It it makes no sense. That's why but... we never used Google Hangouts for this show because remember we talked about it for a while mm -hmm. because Skype yeah. was such a dumpster fire. <laughs> but Discord seems to be doing pretty well. If they just quit changing shit. <laughs> their updates of the day. Ah, their updates, they always change something, and like, and we have to go and just figure out what the hell they did wrong. Yeah. But for this week's Derek Diamond Experience, I, I've been sitting on this audio for a bit, and I'm finally releasing it, and that is the Stephen King Film and TV Adaptations panel that you were a part of. Uh, that I moderated, and I've actually gone back, and as of this recording, I've listened to most of it. It's a really good panel, and I, I didn't have, I want to say I had bad expectations or low expectations, but I didn't really have any, because yeah. I didn't know, like, besides you and Steve, I didn't know any of the other panelists, Yeah. but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't so know them either, other than, other than you and Steve, but uh, that, that was a really good panel of uh, well- Stephen King educated people, so we had a really good discussion, and I'm I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, so that'll be out. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this, then it's already out. So you can find that on um, all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And you can also check out my morning show, The Daily Diamond, that airs Monday through Friday at 8:30 a.m. Central Time on Facebook Live. 
And uh, also on this same very same feed, uh, we'll be releasing the uh, the Patreon exclusive episode that we released last week. The uh, the Ghostbusters season one episode one Ghosts Are Us episode commentary track that we did with the official fact checker, Mr. Wally Phelps, and uh, we recorded that a few weeks ago, and we were we had it in the can. And we decided to, to release it for the Patreon people last week, but it will be available on the feed tomorrow morning at the same time as this episode drops, I think, uh, maybe 30 minutes later or so. But around the same time, they'll be out. So you'll be able to listen to that after tomorrow. Um, I think that's just about it. Anything else before we walk out the door this evening? Uh, no, I think that's it. Right. Oh, do you want to talk about our uh, your stream this weekend? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to be doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This weekend, uh, Saturday to be exact, at 4 p.m. Central Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, And hopefully we're going to try to do it in a way where I'll be able to screen share with Derek. And he's going to be on on the stream with me. You won't be able to see him, but you'll be able to hear him. And uh, he'll be guiding me through the uh, the Nintendo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. um, Because I want to try to get as far as I can through the game and usually I just kind of fumble around in the game and eventually make my way to the Technodrome <laughs> but I want us to maybe use a, uh, a walkthrough so I can get as far as I can as quickly as I can and um, get Eric get, Eric, get Derek's uh, um, see I have a brother named Eric and I always <laughs> call you Eric sometimes but Derek get his commentary as I'm going through the game you can call me the spirit guide. Yes, the spirit guide. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. I've been wanting to play that game for a while. I just got it complete in box. I won a eBay auction last week for 15 bucks, and that's not bad at all. So I'm no, quite excited. But, uh, but let's go ahead and walk out the door, shall we? Yeah. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfontastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're over on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And we're about halfway to that $50 level where we will do those extra episodes every month. So go throw us a couple of bucks and we'll do the extra episodes for you guys every month. And if you can do that, can't go throw us a buck or two a month, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. Master Blaster runs by the town. You blow it!